0: Chapter 11. Questions and Answers. In all her years of teaching, 17 in total, Mrs. Marlowe had never walked into a quieter classroom full of students. It was a new experience for her. It was also new for the kids. Dave watched Mrs. Marlowe go to the front of the room and pick up her attendance book. The teacher looked at the list of names in the book and looked up and down the rows of the class, looked at the book again, and said, I thought maybe I was in the wrong room. Pretty quiet in here today. Can someone tell me why? No hands went up but Mrs. Marlowe was, was watching for anything that might give her a clue about this unusual behavior. And after her questions, she saw a few shy glances between kids, and she noticed some of them trying to hide a smile. She knew what those looks and smiles meant. The kids were keeping a secret. Time for her first experiment. Looking over the class, Mrs. Marlowe settled her eye on Seth Townsend, smiled, and said, "'So, Seth, did you do your science homework last night?' With no hesitation, Seth smiled back and said, "'Yes, I did.' Mrs. Marlowe looked at Amy Gilson and said, "'How about you, Amy?' She nodded and said, "'It was hard.' "'Really?' "'What did you think was hard about it?' She asked. Amy scrunched up her face and said, "'Too much math.' Her answer got a lot of nods and a few laughs from the other kids, but then it went completely quiet again. Mrs. Marlowe couldn't get over how beautifully these children were behaving. Just yesterday— she asked one student a question, and about 15 others blurted out answers, and then the whole class began arguing, and then she started that started a huge free-for-all that didn't end until she banged on her desk with the book. It was always like this with this class, and with the other fifth grade classes too, but not today. No one talked at all, unless she asked a question, which gave Mrs. Marlowe an idea. Please get out your homework sheets. There was a lot of rustling and bustling as the students obeyed. Now, she said... Ellen, look at problem number one. How did you decide if the given quantities were reasonable? Ellen rifled through her papers and then looked on her face with surprised Mrs. Marlowe. Ellen looked scared. It was one of the standard questions about science problems. a question the whole class was used to, but the girl seemed completely confused. Mrs. Marlowe could see that she'd done the assignment, plus Ellen was one of the best science students. What was she so scared about? After a few moments, she looked at the looked like absolute panic. Excuse me. After a few moments of what looked like absolute panic, Ellen calmed down. Then, very slowly, she said, The numbers worked. Mrs. Marlowe waited for the rest of her explanation. It didn't come. Right, she said. And, uh, and I made estimates, Ellen said. Again, her words came slowly, and then there was another long pause. And, the teacher urged, I used math. Mrs. Marlowe nodded. Of course, you used math. I wanted to hear about your process, your thinking. Ellen said, I did, comparing, frustrating. Mrs. Marlowe turned to the other side of the room. Dave, tell us your answer you got for problem one and explain your process. Dave didn't look scared, but he also took a long time to respond. Too long for Mrs. Marlowe. She said, I'd like your answer today, Mr. Packer. Slowly, Dave said, 440. 440 what, prompted Mrs. Marlowe. Barrels of oil, said Dave slowly. "Per." said said Mrs. Marlowe. Dave said, per day. Wrong, said Mrs. Marlowe. Look at your work and tell me what you forgot. She was losing her patience. Dave frowned and squinted at his paper. He nodded and then slowly said, um, the first day, a ripple of giggles swept through the room. Girl giggles. Mrs. Marlowe snapped. Since when did wrong answers become funny? The science teacher thought, are they all pretending to be stupid today? Is that it? Whatever was going on, she didn't like it. It was disruptive. It was slowing down her class. It was annoying. And suddenly, Mrs. Marlowe was in no mood for games. She was not going to play along. And these kids, if these kids wanted quiet, then that's exactly what they're going to get. She glared around the room. Pass in your papers. Everyone obeyed without a word. Open to chapter four and read. The homework is on the board. The next 34 minutes in the science room passed in complete silence, except for the rustle of papers and the occasional cough or sniffle. And sitting at her desk, Mrs. Marlowe had to admit she was enjoying the quiet, enjoying not having to fight the battle of mouth every second with these kids. The unshushables were completely shushed. All right, very weird. But the science teacher wasn't going to lose... Try this again. But the science teacher wasn't any closer to figuring out why these kids were acting this way. Dave felt something hit his arm and then drop onto his leg. It was a note. He glanced at Miss Marlowe, all clear. So he slowly reached down, picked up the note, and unfolded it. You said, um, the first day. Um counts as a word. So you said four. And you cost the boys a whole point, loser. Ha <laughs> ha, Lindsay. Dave knew Lindsay was sitting two seats back on his left. He knew she was waiting for him to turn around to give her, so she could give her her sickly, see, sickly sweet little smile. So he didn't turn around, but he felt the tops of his ears getting pink and he began thinking of a million things he wished he could say to her, all sorts of clever insults like, if brains were money, you'd be broke, or wow, you can count to four, or I had a pet turtle that, Mr. Packer, bring it here. Dave snapped to attention and looked up to see Mrs. Marlowe staring at him, holding out her hand. Putting on his very best innocent face, Dave said, what? The note, here. As Dave walked up and dropped the note into Mrs. Marlowe's hand, the bell rang. Mrs. Marlowe tucked the paper into her pocket, and then she stood up quick. I'll try this again. Um, As Dave walked up and dropped the note into Mrs. Marlowe's hand, the bell rang. Mrs. Marlowe tucked the paper into her pocket and then stood up quickly, because when the bell rang, she had to hurry out the door and try to maintain law and order in the hallway between classes. But of course, there was no need for the corridor police. Not today. Mrs. Marlowe watched all the fifth graders move from room to room to room, smiling, waving, making faces, nodding at each other. There were a few laughs and whistles, and she heard Tyler Renard make a loud snort in the general direction of some girls, but there was no talking. She looked across the hall and caught Mrs. Escobar's eye, and they both smiled and then shrugged at each other. And since there wasn't a patrol work to do, Mrs. Marlowe reached into her pocket and pulled out the captured note. She read it. For the... For a logical person like Mrs. Marlowe, Lindsay's note to Dave was like the Rosetta Stone, a key that helped her to begin to understand what she had seen and heard on the playground and then in her classroom. so this whole thing is something about counting words. more than three words resulted in a penalty which explained all those short answers from Ellen and Dave and then the boys against the girls, nothing new about that, not with this group, and they were all trying to keep quiet. Mrs. Marlowe remembered the jinx game from her own school years. When two people said the same word at the same time, they had to keep quiet. Maybe it was like that. Except this wasn't two people. It was more than 125 of the most talkative children on planet Earth. As chunks of the puzzle began to fall into place, Mrs. Marlowe immediately thought, the others are going to love this. She meant the other teachers. But then her scientific curiosity kicked in, and she thought, Why spoil the kids' experiment? And I really should let the other teachers figure things out on their own. And of course, my preliminary findings could be wrong. I should certainly gather more data before I present my theory to the scholarly community. And as Mrs. Marlowe chuckled at her private joke, she said to herself, Kids. All right, Chapter 12, Guessing Games. Tuesday afternoon in the fifth grade hall was a challenge to everyone. Mrs. Akers walked into the music room, sat at her piano, smiled, and said, My, you're all behaving so well this afternoon. Wonderful. Now please open your songbooks to This Land is Your Land. As she played the introduction to the piano and said, Back straight, big smiles, deep breaths, and no one sang. The piano stopped mid-measure and Mrs. Akers frowned at the class. Now I know you can all do better than that. She began the introduction again, counting on the beats. One and two and three. This land is your land. Mrs. Akers stopped. When the singing, She was singing a solo, and in her high, quivering voice, made the kids giggle. She followed again, or she frowned again. All right, students, this is not funny, and it is not good. We have less than two weeks before our Thanksgiving pro- program, and we have no time for this kind of silliness. She pointed a bright pink fingernail around the room. Brian, Tommy, Anna, every one of you, I want to hear you sing. She banged out the introduction again, and the whole class sang, This land is, and then stopped. The piano kept playing, and Mrs. Akers bellowed, "Sing!" and most of the kids, and most of the kids jumped in on, "My land from," and then stopped. And another shouted, "Command!" They sang to the redwood forest, and that's how the soul, whole song went, chopped into three-word bits. And when Mrs. Akers, her face bright red by this point, thumped on her piano and said, "What is wrong with all of you today?" The kids didn't say a word. Like all the teachers, Miss Akers understood the divide and conquer rule. When you need to get to the bottom of something, you don't speak to the whole class. You ask one student. So she pointed to Lena in the front row and said, Why aren't you singing? Lena hesitated and then motioned to all the kids motioned at the kids all around the room and said, Not talking today. <clears throat> Mrs. Akers said, What's that supposed to mean? Not talking. Lena nodded. Only three words. The music teacher was even more puzzled. She pointed at James and said, Explain. James had trouble expressing himself even under the best conditions. He gulped and took a deep breath. Then he said, Not words. Everyone. A light dawned on Miss Acre's face. And still, talking to James, she said, Oh, so it's like that project kids do when they take a vow of silence to protest how there's still slavery in Africa. I read about this. Is that it? James lost his look. He shook his head. Hard... Explain not. But Miss Fakers- Akers felt like she had answered the riddle, or maybe partly answered it. And whatever was happening, she decided to be a good sport. Looking around the room, she said, So tell me, you can all hum. Is humming allowed? Everyone grinned and nodded like maniacs. How about clapping? Can you clap in a rhythm? More smiles and nods. All right then, here we go again. And she ripped back onto the piano. One, two, three. hmm, hmm, hmm. And 24 fifth graders clapped and hummed along with Miss Akers playing all seven verses of This Land is Your Land. Then the whole class giggled and laughed and hummed and clapped their way through the other four songs on the Thanksgiving program. And they all survived their first wordless music class. The fifth period gym class was less dramatic than music. News had gotten to most of the teachers that the fifth graders had gone quiet, which didn't bother the gym teacher at all. Thursday was dodgeball day, so Mrs. Henley appointed the two captains, and then the captains picked their teams by pointing, and the first game got underway, all without a word. Dodgeball, which can be pretty serious anyway, seemed especially grim without the talking and shouting. There were the usual grunts of effort and screams of terror, and when three or four kids with red dodgeballs would silently go hunting for one player on the other team, it was sort of like watching a pack of wolves go after a lone caribou. A motion of the leader's hand, a movement toward the prey, and then whack, whack, whomp, dead meat. From the gym teacher's point of view, dodgeball was all all about improvising, improving reflexes, and getting a good large motor skills workout. And to accomplish those goals without any of the taunting and teasing and name-calling, that was just fine by her. Even so, Mrs. Henley watched all three games with great interest. She saw how the kids communicated without words, and she noticed herself pointing and shaking her head and blowing her whistle instead of yelling. It was nice to give her voice a rest. Mr. Burton taught fifth grade reading and language arts. He puzzled at the beginning of the class right after lunch, and like a music teacher and a science teacher, he asked questions and got three-word answers. But he kept at it, and after about five minutes, he figured out what was going on, at least part of it. Unlike Mrs. Marlowe, Mr. Barton had a lot of patience and was, had a pretty good sense of humor. And he couldn't see any real problem with having these kids be this well-behaved. Anything that got the Unshushables quiet was fine by him. Plus, he decided they could all have some fun with this limit of three words in a row. He picked a funny story from their reading text, um, textbook, a really short one, and he had the kids read it out loud. Three words each and as fast as possible with him calling out the name of the next narrator. And when the story finished, he said, "'Okay, now I want you to make up a story.' He picked up a meter stick and said, "'When I point to you, say a three-word sentence, "'and listen carefully so you can make the story move forward. "'Here we go.'" The story started like this. A woman screamed. She was scared. It was dark. Oh, no, snakes. One bit her. Ow, my leg. She limped outside. Her neighbor came. What's wrong? Snakes are everywhere. Are they poisonous? Yes, and smelly. Quick, my car. You saved me. Darn, dead battery. Round and round the room the story went. The poor woman and her neighbor were eventually eaten by huge orange lizards that came up out of the sewers and ripped the roof off the car. The lizards also ate the snakes, but then the ugly tulips in the garden grew razor blade teeth and ate the lizards, and then the tulips burned... Burped giant burps, which created a tornado, made the Statue of Liberty fall over and crush the tugboat, which made the wave that washed all the way to the White House, and got muddy water all over the president's polka-dotted underpants. It was quite a tale. The period ended, and the students walked quietly out of the room. Mr. Burton got a lot of waves and smiles and thumbs up, and he waved and smiled back at the kids. No words were needed. It had been a successful class, fun, creative, lively, and everyone had used their word skills in new ways. Mr. Burton felt great. The next 40 minutes was his planning period, and then he came to the class, the last class of the day, period 7. He had some papers to grade, but Mr. Burton was too excited because these kids were doing well. In fact, it felt like a a once-in-a-lifetime chance to mess around with words and language and communication and try something fresh, something special. After all, science teachers aren't the only people who like a good experiment. So Mr. Burton sat at his desk, thinking and thinking. Finally, with about two minutes before the period 7, he got it. A great idea. Plus, he realized that the situation should be useful to him in a totally unexpected way. As the bell rang, Mr. Burton noticed that he was actually looking forward to his last class of the afternoon. Another proof that this was not an ordinary day. All right, guys, that's it for today. Talk to you soon. Bye.